Welcome to a very special episode of Baltimore Weekly. We're going to call this Baltimore Annually, number one, I guess. Um, but we're here at uh, the lovely headquarters of Stack with uh, co-founder Mike Sabelski, who is known to all of you in the tech community. Uh, Sharon Paley, of course, you know as well. Um, and we're here just to talk about some of the big stories in Baltimore tech during the year mm-hmm. and um, maybe have a nostalgic look back at... Uh, <laughs> Did you, you know. ring Kleenex? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we have to do that. What was the, what did they do on uh, Wayne's World? You don't remember that? I, yeah, yeah. I do. Okay. I'm, I'm right. trying to pretend I don't know. Yeah, what okay. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. Well, uh, do you want to say a few words, Mike, about maybe uh, just generally what you think of like Baltimore Tech in 2013? Uh, I would... Um, that's a good question. I've been so I've been pretty heads down yeah. uh, working on my uh, startup here, but uh, well, I just feel like the calendar got exponentially more crowded, and there's I just feel like there's a lot more of my friends have been getting funding. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the I just they feel like our game got collectively stepped up a notch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a uh, stuff got real, you know, and that. And that, I mean, there has been talk for, for years now about you know, an emerging Baltimore tech community, and um, we seem to have an events calendar and a set of serious businesses that have grown out of that um, that need to be taken seriously. Um, yeah, we looked at one, one trend we looked at was sort of the, the emergence of ad tech. Baltimore is a center of ad advertising technology. Um, and I mean that's that's been the case for for quite a while, but we have some some really great uh, startups getting funded. Um, Videology, uh, which is uh, started by the the, fund, the founders of uh, Advertising.com, that's emerging. And we have well, they've great, been around for a while, but they, yeah. they really hit their seemed like they hit their stride, or maybe they're just trying to. They're just their publicity, their profile has greatly <laughs> yes. increased. But yes. yeah, they've been around for for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and then there's this uh, right here in Hamden, um, in this beautiful uh, renovated church. We have the, uh, the headquarters of Stack, which is another uh, you know funded, growing, fast moving ad tech startup. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. I just have a little uh, thing here. I want to check. Um, I think we're okay. But um, so can you tell us a little bit about Stack and what, what you guys are up to here? Sure. Uh, we are a, a data company. Uh, we're focused on the advertising industry uh, for now. Uh, there's all this sophisticated software that sits between advertisers and publishers on the Internet. And, uh, but the advertisers are spending too much money and the publishers aren't making enough money. And they, they have a, a big problem Reporting, just managing all the data. And there's a lot of duplication of effort, a lot of waste. So our main competitor is Excel. It's people running their whole business, mm-hmm. buying or selling, ultimately off of it, uh, spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, are building technology to get all the data from all the tools that you're already using, scrub it, normalize it, put it in one place so you can actually track the performance of your of your business all in one place. Mm-hmm. Plus, once we have all that, there's some secret sauce we can do later, but I'll have to... You know, we'll, Keep we'll that in your back pocket. Well, I don't want to... Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to... You know, but that's still all emerging, so I don't want to sit here and say, this is what we're going to be able to do. It's like, we got our hands full uh, just on that, that phase one. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's it, it's going to be exciting to watch. And like any, anybody who's followed online media knows that it all rests on ad tech. And um, there's a lot of uh, disintermediation, I think the word is, that, that can happen there. And so, cool. That's um, a good buzzword to, to deploy. Yeah. Did that that's, recently, not in my, that's not in my blog yep, post, no. Sure. If, if you look <laughs> at uh, gb.tc in our blog, you'll see a, a brand new fresh post by Sharon Paley on words that need to be retired in uh, this year, if not sooner. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, disintermediation, that was probably on the list a couple of years ago. Um, it's not, uh, I haven't heard it enough. Okay. All but. right. You I think it's know. gone through that fame, that hype cycle. Yeah, right. Now, now it's just a good classic word that you can use no, in certain vintage. places. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's retro. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, some other uh, big stories you know, uh, kind of allied with that issue, uh, that topic of funding is you know, the Invest Maryland Challenge, um, uh, a program run by the Department of Business and Economic Development, has uh, had a, a great run um, of, of a couple. Uh, uh, incarnations and this year I know that judge, judges are going through all the applications right now yep. there's like serious funding for Maryland startups and, and it's grown because mm-hmm. last uh, so last year which is really this year uh, when they did the, when they did the awards at the beginning of this year there were only $300,000 awards and now there are $400,000 awards this year so it's good that the state is actually putting more money into investing in startups mm-hmm and it's a vote of confidence that can attract other investors. And you know, in general, there are more investors active. We see it a lot in uh, education technology, mm-hmm. ed tech, and there are startups getting funded there. Um, and also, like the, the those who fund ed tech are getting together. I think of Frank Bonsold, uh, John Kamek, um, and and others who are you know taking a lead there. And and that's exciting to watch because. You know, for a while, saying we've got all these startups, we've got all these startups, but no one will take us seriously. Well, now people will take you seriously and give you money. Um, and there is this pool of expertise now in Baltimore, um, mentors, uh, big companies, and um, you know, just a, a great crop of uh, educators who want to use the tools to to do more. So, um, very exciting there. Um, I don't know what's another thing we could talk about. What about like? Open data and civic tech. Civic tech? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really been growing, particularly... I mean, nationally, it's been growing, right? So first, we had the the first annual National Day of Civic Hacking, uh, which was organized by the White House, and 95 cities, including Baltimore, had civic hackathons at the first weekend of June. Um, and then right, right around the same time, in May, the state launched their uh, open data uh, portal, so um, which is at state.data. Um, no, not state.data. Maryland.data.gov. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they've been really active in, in you know, com- coming out and talking to the community, and they want to know what people want opened. So um, that's a big move. And at the same time, actually, at the, at the National Day of Civic Hacking Hackathon here, uh, the city of Baltimore named its first chief data officer, Heather Hudson, who I also believe is the first female chief data officer in the country. So that's another indication of that move towards you know, fostering civic innovation and um, opening more data. So hopefully that will be something we see trending upwards. Cause yeah, I mean, it's not a 
not a panacea. I think like maybe <laughs> some of us had, a few years ago had hoped that you know that it, just opening the data itself would do a lot, but uh, it's you know I mean here in Baltimore we know uh, you know we need to make government more transparent. So mm-hmm. uh, anything we can do to uh, at least solve the technological part of that would be would couldn't couldn't hurt. It could only help. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, another uh, uh, trend that we could talk about is um, uh, women in tech. And um, I think in, in Baltimore and a lot of uh, tech communities, it's, it, it, I mean, it's always been obvious, but people are more concerned and taking a little more action about the fact that the gender gap is so wide. Um, one of the really terrific things that happened this year that I know you were involved in, Mike, was the uh, Rails Girls. Right. Which is, you know, actually back when computers started, it, most programmers were women. And at some point, the, the boys muscled in. And then, but now they're, they're, uh, all of these uh, brilliant women are uh, kind of systematically picking up some of these tools to, to make things run. What, what's that been like this year? Well, th- there was also a Rails Girls event in Colombia mm-hmm. just maybe a, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. The, what I really noticed was that the response to it was was overwhelming. I mean, it was way sold out. People showed up anyway. <laughs> you know, they weren't, weren't about to be deterred by a waiting list. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, that that indicated that it's not like there's not some kind of inherent uh, male predilection for technology. It, it really got me thinking that the the way we talk about technology and technologists probably has a lot more to do with the makeup of tech mm-hmm. companies than mm-hmm. it does anything more specific than that. And I, I we had a recruiting drive here at Stack um, where we used a totally different message than, like it's pretty common for a startup to use the word rock star, which I really hate. It's, that uh, was on my blog post yeah, about the uh, last yeah, year. Yeah, well, that one's been played out for a couple years. Yeah. Uh, I also don't like ninja. Ninja's really yeah, bad. Ninja. Yeah, but why are they bad? Besides just being trite. Yes. Uh, I I think they represent a whole category of words and an attitude uh, that maybe unconsciously selects towards, you know, white middle middle class dudes. Um, and anyway, the, the the pitch of Rails Girls, it's just, it's friendly, it's collaborative, it's all about mentoring, and that's what we did with our recruiting materials. And although we didn't was we didn't ask people what their gender was before they applied. I mean, just looking at the names, I was it seemed like we got a much higher uh, number of applicants from a wider diver- mm-hmm. diversity of people than I, I would have imagined. You mean when you were when you were looking to hire at Stack or at Rails? For for Stack for yeah. for, for Rails girls, it, it just it was just like an immediate overwhelming response, and I just mm-hmm. I think uh, girls and women have not been receiving that that message of like open arms. You know, we're gonna we're gonna show you everything. Welcome to what into our world, and mm-hmm. you know, join in. It's a team effort. Mm-hmm. So, because Rockstar is saying, well, you're already accomplished, and you're already yeah. you know, own this technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, like, just when you literally think of a rock star, we I mean, you, if, you know, most people probably would think of a you know a guy with a, a guitar. I mean, I I sort of would, or right. or it's just a. It's like the, it's the. I think it just reinforces bro culture mm. in in programming, um, and that's so. something that you don't have to be a woman to be horrified by. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, um, there, there's it's 
we need to bring in all kinds of people, people uh, into this profession, including people who are already mid-career in something else mm-hmm. that aren't, you know, that would, yeah, wouldn't identify with the rock star label. They, uh, they you know, aren't big partiers or, or drinkers. Mm-hmm. I think, the like, I pretty regularly, almost every week, I meet with somebody who has a, an idea for a, a tech company, and the most interesting ideas are always from people that are have, like, 10 years of experience. They've been working in some field that you wouldn't think would be a ripe for disruption. I, like, I just... I don't want to give anything away, but I just met a, a police officer who has a really good mm. idea. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Well, the, these are people who know a, field, a, a, a line of business or an industry really well. And they know it well enough to know that there are these pain points. And they know generally that there are technological solutions for these things. So, I mean, that's supposed to be where innovation happens. When you take you know, a technology from one field and plop it onto another and... See what happens. You know, it, it, and you get an unfair advantage because you you already have the relationships to sell. You know the you know the sales process. You know how they, you know how these organizations acquire technology. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's like remember when we were at that conference three years ago and we were all complaining about X. Well, here's the solution. Um, yeah, well, you know, one thing that uh, uh, I mean, learning to program in general has kind of been uh, mm-hmm. a, a movement, and um, it's uh, it's drawn in a lot of people. Everybody's done a little bit of uh, a week of code, I think it was called An hour of code. Yeah, hour of code during uh, computer science education week, um, and also it's reaching out to young people. It, in general, there's a talent shortage in a lot of these fields, and so you can get into a competitive bidding war. Or you can grow your own. Um, you can do all of the above. You can reach out to college students and even younger. And I think of stuff like the Digital Harbor Foundation, which um, you know was started by some uh, some real stars of, of uh, Baltimore's local technology scene. Um, not stars, but profoundly influential people who deserve to be recognized. Well, let's put it that way. Um, uh, Andrew Coy among them. And uh, they've done some fantastic things, taking over a, a rec center that the city had, had abandoned and turning it into this technology center for young people from all walks of life, all parts of Baltimore. And they're learning how to program. They're learning you know, mobile development, web development, and also how to be makers, how to, how to uh, design 3D printing, 3D things. Yeah. drone technology when we were there over the mm-hmm. summer. You scroll way down in this mm-hmm. feed of podcasts. Yeah, hit, keep hitting the next page, next page. Uh, yeah, and, and there, there's just amazing, uh, amazing brain power there, like that has been untapped. And um, you know, when there's been some develop, developments with robotics, with the the first program. Yeah. A, a whole bunch of things, and like, or like, like the robotics center that's opening in yeah, Southwest Baltimore, uh, over by the B and O Railroad Museum. Well, and yeah, and the Western High School Robodubs yeah, right. have done really well nationally in their robotics competitions. Um, and then we had Corey and Andrew from the Baltimore Foundry, who are both on uh, Big Brain Theory. Did I get it right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot going on, and there's this uh, blossoming of hacker spaces, including the Foundry. Um, full disclosure, it's a, a 
co-founded by our, our boss, um, Jason Hardebeck. Um, but also, you know, the Baltimore Node is right. settled into a nice new place in, in, in uh, Station North. Um, you have uh, the, the Baltimore hacker space down in, I think it's Rundle County. It's uh, unallocated space, um, which is yet another... Uh, spot for doing all this. There's the the Fab Lab at Towson. There's um, uh, I'm blanking suddenly on the name, but at, at CCBC in Catonsville, there's another awesome space that's very much open to the public. So if you want to pick up these your manufacturing skills of the f- present and future, well, what about the new store? The new uh, the maker? Be More 3D right store. Yeah. Look, I'm wearing my 3D printed earrings that were designed yeah, by Tom Lab. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so yeah. You so can, even if you can't do 3D printing and you just want to see what it's all about, like they're doing mm-hmm. demos there and well, and the how about just Todd Blatt moving back to Baltimore? Yeah, that go. is a news event. He yeah. left Brooklyn for Baltimore. That's right. Right. Yeah, he's like a a, a celebrity in the world <laughs> of 3D printing, and you know, for a number of years, he's made his living just by you know creating objects and uh, selling them online, and uh, worked for MakerBot for quite a while, and then. Uh, you know, has brought a lot of that those, that knowledge and connections back to Baltimore. So you can meet him, and if you see this in time, buy a, a Christmas present from uh, Be More 3D right at Boston and uh, Alisana yes. Streets. Yeah, it's open through um, the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what else do we? And well, well, actually, speaking of that same neighborhood, we can talk about the ETC mm-hmm. moving out of Canton and into Highland Town. So that's a big, it's a big change for Canton. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a big change for the ETC, too. They've kind mm-hmm. of shifted what their offerings are and downsized a bit, and, but they have a super cool new space. Mm-hmm. And, but it's going to mean something different for the startup community. So it will be interesting yeah. to see what happens without that physical hub. Well, almost all the tenants of the ETC have stayed in Baltimore City, from what I understand. Yes. They've gone to, uh, there's a couple in Mount Vernon, uh, other you places in Canton, in Canton yeah. Yeah, all on Boston Street, uh, into Federal Hill. So, um, you know, Canton's loss is the rest of the city's gain in that respect. Um, but, yeah, and the ETC remains a, a strong leader in the community and, uh, and you know, will continue to be. They've got their great Accelerate Baltimore program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the alumni of that program, Jess Gartner, is very near reaching a, a big funding goal for, for her ed tech company, Alloview. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on that they remain, that they're at the center of. The, the real loser, I guess, is the um, Boston Street Starbucks location, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which just doesn't have the cachet in the tech community. No, no, or that Chipotle, I guess, either. Yeah, oh, gosh, that poor Chipotle is going to go out of business. <laughs> no, no, all yeah. the guys who work at Millennial Media will still be okay. eating burritos there. Okay. Um, so what, you know, well, I have a lot of meetings in Spro here on the internet, yeah. so yeah. I, I'm trying to do my part to make Spro the uh, hub of uh, tech. I can get down with that, actually. Yeah, I, I endorse that as a as <laughs> a caffeine addict and a coffee achiever. That that I wholly endorse Spro. <laughs> um, and we have uh, kind of circling back to events. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I'm weekly exhausted going through uh, trying to you know collect and pretty up the information that we get from many many different sources for our community calendar at go.gb.tc. 
and um, and I hope I hope you all appreciate that because <laughs> um, it's a lot of like mind-numbing work. But it's 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 really gratifying to see that there's this flowering of meetups. There's like every any any sort of tech platform or language, computer programming language you can think of, has a Baltimore meetup now. Yeah, I, I feel like in this year, the, the data science meetup, they they kind of just yeah, they exploded. Explode. They have totally. stuff. Yeah. They're probably the, got to be the most active one. There's so many things, so much programming. Yeah, we uh, if you scroll all, also down in this feed, we had a really fun interview with uh, one of the founders of the data science meetup. And it's one of those that we didn't want to end. It could have turned into this long kind of NPR-style interview because there's so many interesting things that fall into the data science category. And, uh, yeah, they've gone from a handful of people to, you know, hundreds, and they meet all over the region, you know, Baltimore City, and they do a really good job of kind of spreading the love around. Um, and BoConf came back this year. Yeah. That's my favorite, uh, I think. One of my favorite events, of course, not my favorite non-GBTC events. Oh, yes. uh, well, we were very Bocom. supportive. We, we were, uh, we, we were, were, yeah, we were at yeah, registration. Right, so. Yeah, yeah. So we we had our hands in that. I just it just was a, a really good group of people that that came to that one. The the hallway track was especially awesome. Hmm. You mean hallway track meaning like that. everything happening that's not in the session? Yeah, just people right. Well, just, just in terms of yeah, running into people just in yeah. that main atrium there. Mm-hmm. I think it's the atrium tracks more what I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. the University of Baltimore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just parenthetically seeing how the universities are getting more involved in the tech scene mm-hmm. is it was long a complaint uh, or not their apparent lack of buy-in uh, uh, had been an issue that a lot of us including me kind of whined about but now I mean the University of Baltimore is often a, a host for tech community events Maryland Institute College for Art um, is a, a, a major patron through space of the tech community including Ignite Baltimore's right. events um, but like UMBC just had a hackathon a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it was very, it was really just focused on students and it wasn't open to the public, but you see that they're like tapping into some of what's going on in the community mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. importing that into the universities. Mm-hmm. So Johns Hopkins, uh, we've worked a lot with Johns Hopkins this year. Um, we're proud to call the Whiting School of Engineering a, a shareholder. Um, there's a, uh, 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 Towson University, uh, Sharon and I have spent time at a number of campuses in the region, Stevenson University, talking about the tech community. And there's a lot of interest on the parts of uh, undergraduates and graduate students and even faculty in computer science and in design about what's happening locally. Because um, you can do world-class work in Baltimore without paying New York or San Francisco rents, for instance. Um, uh, but also in the in the vein of events, you know, Tech Breakfast, which started as a, you know a morning thing at the ETC in a conference room smaller than the one that we're in now, is spread into this mammoth thing that takes over whole buildings in Baltimore monthly, but is spread to other cities: New York, Annapolis, Silicon Valley, Northern um, Virginia, Northern Virginia, Columbia. Yeah, Columbia uh, there's a bunch of others. Phil- too. Do we say Philly? Yeah, Philly. Um, so sorry, we forgot one, Ron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ron, Ron, Ron will correct us. Um, but uh, it's it's really cool that this Warren and Baltimore thing has has caught on elsewhere. So bravo. Um, also in, in in the growing events category is Baltimore Innovation Week, 
uh, our friends over at the Technically Media Empire in Technically Baltimore uh, have uh, organized this great kind of community get-together. It also, it's an occasion to bring people who are not already in the tech community into things and let them see what's going on, kind of a Whitman sampler of all the cool stuff we've just been talking about. So, I mean, you had fun at that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really liked having the opening ceremonies at the uh, train station because I'm always running to people. I, I'm on the train a lot, and I'm, I often run into people that, you know, they're commuting from Timonium to Boston, and they have, they're involved in some kind of tech thing in Boston, right? Yeah. And they, don't, they didn't know that there was anything in their backyard. So right. I, I like to, I hope that some people got, some commuters got snagged out there on that Friday. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and to think of um, you know, uh, you know when, when we did our trip to uh, to Philadelphia by rail, it was uh, a lot of that kind of serendipitous connection and yeah, that's um, one of one of the things I was thinking. Yeah, of. yeah. So I think there's more of that in the works uh, um, in the coming year, including maybe a, a um, geeks on a train to Owings Mills. Um, <laughs> geeks on a metro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet. I talked to Michael Raphael about that. He would love to. Oh yeah. Oh, we have. We have. Um, <laughs> maybe Tom Loveland. Maybe a couple of them. All right. So I, I. I mean, that's we've covered a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure we're missing a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a comment else? section below this. You can. Mm-hmm. Correct us on all the things we forgot about. We can always record a supplement. <laughs> yes, an addendum. Part yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot happening, and um, and it's all um, because of you all um, stepping up. And there's no more. One thing I love about this community now is that there's no one leader or leading organization. It's uh, a lot of you know uh, leaders of subgroups and communities and. And I think in general there's this really strong sense of we're all in it together and it's not competitive, it's mutually amplifying. And that was our theme for 2013, come yes. to think of it, amplify. So hopefully this year in this little broadcast we've helped amplify the things that you all are up to. And uh, we hope to, to continue doing that even more in the new year. Um, any other final words? Thanks for joining yeah. us, Mike, yeah. for having yeah. us here glad, today. Glad to be here. I, I love uh, making technology in Baltimore. Love working with you guys. Oh. All right. <laughs> Old Lang Syne. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so well, happy Christmas, happy New Year, and we'll see you back here shortly. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.